Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you're taking time to join us once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, should the government be interfering in the cattle markets? There are a lot of bills being introduced in Washington, D.C. that would mandate certain amounts of cash trade, as well as other things like establishing a cattle contract library. Should the government be interfering with the cattle markets? We'll ask that question to Randy Block. He's CEO of Cattle Facts. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains, a recent jump in fed cattle prices is allowing them a better chance to make money. But to help them stay out of the red, they'll need those prices to keep climbing. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Growing season challenges and the factors influencing higher yields. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Colder temperatures are here probably to stay for a while. It's time to move plants around before freeze. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about moving tropicals indoors. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There are several legislative proposals currently on the table in Washington, D.C. to deal with the current situation in the cattle market, where packers seem to have all the leverage. But cattle market analyst Randy Block with Cattle Facts says he's not too keen on the government sticking its nose into what has traditionally been a free and open market. Yeah, I just, I mean, this industry has been a free market industry for a long, long period of time. And there's times we didn't like the way it went, and there were times we did. And I think the bottom line is, is, is we do need to stick to our knitting, so to speak. I think these markets will, they'll, they'll stabilize. They'll begin to work again. We'll see that, see them become much more responsive. Block says the current market situation goes back to last March when COVID turned the world upside down. We all forget that when COVID hit, we were in our peak cyclical numbers. Mm-hmm. The peak cyclical numbers when it hit, and then we backlog a million head of cattle and a million head of feeder cattle. It just takes forever to work through those kind of supply situations, and I, I think we're about there. So I'm, I'm optimistic we're going to get there. Block predicts that in the next six to eight months, the tables will turn and cattle producers will have all the leverage in the market. USDA increased U.S. cotton production in the latest crop production and supply and demand report to 18.2 million bales. That's up from 18 million in last month's report. Dr. Jody Campici with the National Cotton Council says world production estimates are also higher, up 1.5 million bales from last month to a total of 121.79 million bales. 
For the world balance sheet, production is estimated to be almost 10 million bills higher in 2021, with increases in the U.S., Brazil, Pakistan, Turkey, and Australia offsetting a larger decline in China. The world consumption estimate for 2021 continues to increase to the latest projection of 124.1 million bills, which is 700,000 bills higher than last month due to higher use in India, Mexico, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. If realized, this would be the second highest level on record behind the 2006 marketing year. And although production estimates are up, those higher consumption numbers that Cam Peachy mentioned are the reason the cotton market is now toying with the $1.20 level. Now, as far as Texas cotton production is concerned, in that same report, USDA estimated our cotton production this year at 8.1 million bales. That's 77% higher than last year. Yield averaging 741 pounds an acre. That's up from last year's 686. Texas cotton acreage estimated at 5.25 million acres. That's up 64% from last year. For cattle feeders on the Texas High Plains, a recent jump in fed cattle prices is giving them the opportunity to make a little money. But James Hunt tells us they'll need those prices to keep climbing to stay out of the red. Looking at cash prices for fed cattle in the Texas High Plains, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says things have been on the rise lately. In the last three weeks, we've gone from a 120. 126 and to last week we traded cattle at 132 so we've increased our prices over the last couple weeks about six dollars per hundred and that six dollar per hundred weight jump is giving miller a reprieve from the sad refrain he's had to share during past conversations for quite a few months now i've been having to tell you that we're running about a hundred dollars in the red Today, with the increase in price over the last two weeks or the last three weeks that we've added to the market, we're running in the black about $50. So we went from a negative $100 loss on a cash basis to about a $50 profit on a cash basis. And getting to those $50 ahead profits has come about, Miller says, as cattle inventories decline around the country and the supply and demand dynamic swings back toward cattle feeders' favor. The packers are a little bit short, and so the leverage has changed to a degree. But while getting back slightly above break-even is appreciated, input costs continue to pressure feedyard operators. The cost of feed remains high, and with feeder cattle prices on the rise, Miller says current projections show cattle entering feed yards today could be money losers when they reach market weight a few months from now. If you look at the uh, April futures, if you look down the road on the futures, those markets are trading in the upper 130s, low 140s. Today, I would tell you, cattle that are being placed uh, would need to be in the 140 to 145 range to break even. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This 2021 growing season presented plenty of challenges this year. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. Today, we are going to be speaking with Adam Owens. He is a pioneer field agronomist from the Fort Worth area, and uh, we have talked with a number of pioneer uh, agronomists and folks over the last few weeks. And uh, Adam, one of the themes that remains the same uh, week to week is uh, the fact that this growing season was certainly a challenge for uh, farmers. What are some of the few uh, things that uh, growers have in mind going into next year? Yes, sir. That's exactly right. I hope our audience has picked up some good details on what Pioneer is doing within our corn, sorghum, and digital platforms. I think we've got a lot of tools and resources available to our growers here in Texas that are really industry-leading. 
But if we don't have the right plan in place for next year, then things can really start to go downhill very quickly. Hybrid selection and the weather are important factors to high yields, but there is also another factor to consider. Those factors certainly play a role into making high yields, but it's not the number one factor. The number one factor to high yields is rapid, uniform seed emergence and establishment. Essentially what it boils down to is late emerging plants are weeds, and they lack the competitiveness to thrive at the level they once could have had they emerged within 24 hours of its neighboring seed buddy. And what we can do to manage this, just return back to the basics, such as having the right behaviors with our planters and our tillage practices. If we slow that planter down, plan at a pace that's within the capabilities of your planter, and maintain a uniform seed depth, which is about two inches deep for corn, that's a really big help and a great start to helping this out. What we want is our seed to emerge rapidly and uniformly at the proper seed spacing as well. That is Adam Owens. He is a pioneer field agronomist from the Fort Worth area. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cold temperatures are settling into Texas and that means it's time to move summer plants indoors. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, it seems like we do this every year. We choose if we want to bring plants indoors or in a greenhouse or in a place that won't freeze to save them. And we have tropicals like bougainvilleas and hibiscus that we've enjoyed all summer. And those are mostly in containers. And we decide whether they're worth bringing in. If they're fairly young or even if they're old, but they're real healthy and they have done the job you wanted this last year and you're thinking about saving them, it's a good idea to move them in prior to the first freeze. You know, we sometimes get caught and we have that 24 hour before we get the notice from the weatherman and it's quite a chore. There's a couple of things you can do is to get them ready. One is if you decide they're coming in, prune them to fit the space. And a good example is when bougainvilleas are long and leggy and thorny and going to be an issue if you're going to put them in a sunroom or a garage or even in a small greenhouse, it does not hurt to prune those. Prune to fit the space as much as halfway if you want, and then you can move them easier. But again, you want to make sure it's something that's worth saving, not something that you can start with all over again. We avoid fertilizing before we bring them in. Remember, the goal is not to make them grow and look beautiful in most cases. It's survival. It's to keep them as healthy as we can so when we bring them out in the spring, they're going to jump out and be blooming before you know it. So we don't fertilize. We will water sparingly. You know, we don't encourage a lot of watering because we don't want a lot of new leaves, but we want to keep that root system moist, and that is important that you occasionally water. I know people that water once every three or four weeks on large containers, just enough to keep the roots hydrated. And again, sunlight. Sunlight is okay, especially if you want to keep leaves on them to keep them healthy. Rolling up garage doors, for instance, or in sunrooms or by the window in your home, all great ideas for overwintering these plants. This is John Begno reporting from San Angelo. The Texas Animal Health Commission is asking hunters to do their part to help prevent the spread of a deadly cattle disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a fairly new condition being recognized in horses called coronary band dystrophy. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a fairly new condition being recognized in horses called coronary band dystrophy. Dr. Bob Judd has more on this new condition. The coronary band is the area at the top of the hoof that separates the hoof wall from the skin. There are several diseases that can affect this area, but with coronary band dystrophy, the horse's hair above the coronary band sticks out straight instead of laying down against the skin. Also, there is crusting, scaling, redness, and ulceration of the tissue, and a hard band of tissue will develop at the coronary band and the hoof wall will stop growing, which causes the growth rings on the dorsal hoof wall to be tightly packed. The crusting and scaling will also extend down the hoof wall and can even involve the frog, and canker can develop. Some of these horses will be lame, and the disease usually occurs in heavier breeds of horses, like warm bloods. A biopsy is the best method of diagnosis the condition, but biopsy sites are difficult to heal, so the diagnosis is usually made with the exam. If coronary band dystrophy is involved, treatment is with prednisolone orally as the disease is believed to be immune-mediated. Antibiotics are usually used to treat potential low-grade infections, and sometimes a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug needs to be used for pain. Treatment also involves removing shoes from the horse and clipping hair at the coronary band. The heel should be trimmed on the same plane as the frog, and all loose and unhealthy tissue is removed from the hoof wall with a rasp. Cleaning the area daily and applying a cortisone ointment usually is an effective treatment. If canker is involved, treatment of this disease usually requires cryotherapy. Although the condition usually heals with treatment, the treatment is time-consuming and requires owner commitment. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is asking hunters to do their part to prevent the spread of a deadly cattle disease. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. If you plan on hunting in the Rio Grande Valley this year, be sure to have your deer tested for cattle fever ticks before you leave the area. Although deer are not the primary target for cattle fever ticks, they can hang on to a deer's hide and hitch a ride to an unaffected area of the state or nation. There, they could do irreparable harm to the cattle industry. Dr. Angela Lackey, TAHC Assistant Executive Director of Animal Health Programs, says hunters can play a critical role in protecting the state from the further spread of cattle fever ticks. Cattle fever tick spread Babesia, which is a lot like an anaplasmosis type of disease. It affects the red blood cells and animals no longer will thrive and can die very suddenly. The cattle up north don't have any resistance to the Babesia, so they would very easily become infected and would have no natural resistance. So we could see 100% mortality rates in areas where the Babesia is being spread, and it could have a huge economic impact from not only mortality of animals, but also loss of markets and marketability of cattle in the United States. 
Hunters who harvest white-tailed deer, nilgai antelope, black buck, axis deer, or another exotic cervid in a fever tick zone should contact a USDA or Animal Health Commission representative to have the animal tested for cattle fever ticks before leaving the property. There are established fever tick zones in portions of Cameron, Hildago, Maverick, Star, Webb, Willacy, and Zapata counties. You can find a list of cattle fever tick inspectors on the Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle and grain markets kicked off the week, trading both sides of the market. So how did things shake out on Tuesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup jim today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Despite some modest support throughout the day, live cattle closed lower on Tuesday. December live cattle down a nickel to 131.72. February live cattle down 22 cents to 136.10. April live cattle down 17 cents to 139.80. Corn was trading lower for much of the day Tuesday, which gave some support to feeder cattle. November feeder cattle still closed lower, about 27 cents to 155.65. January feeder cattle up 80 cents to 159.27. March feeder cattle up a dollar two to 160.90. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's a glass of iced tea and that livestock market operator report I've got for you with Madison Bexley of Lockhart Livestock. They sell on Thursday. Natty, walk the pens with us. Morning, Larry. Uh, We had a pretty good run. We ended up with 2,043, with 243 cows and 57 bulls, uh, 249 sellers and 90 buyers. The weather finally cooperated with us this weekend. We got a pretty decent run. Uh, Stucker cows, we got along pretty good. The good pairs would have brought from 11.50 to 16 and a quarter. Mediocre and middle-aged from 6.75 to 10.75. Front end of the bred cows from 8.50 to 12.75. The mediocre middle-aged and short breads from five and a quarter to eight and a quarter. The longhorn and the planer end of the cows from 2.50 to 500. Packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with a week ago. The good high-yielding cows from 58 to 74. The medium yield from 46 to 57. The low yielding cows from 22 to 45. The good high yielding packer bulls from 86 to 93. The medium yielding from 80 to 85. Low yielding and lightweight bulls from 50 to 79. And on the calves and yearlings, they would have sold pretty much steady with a week ago on a real active market. Uh, we had a bunch of good quality ranch calves and, you know, that always helps. Do you know of anything for next go round? No, sir.
sir. Hopefully we can drum up some business between now and then. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Reach us at the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Maddie, thank you so much. I've been your host. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. We saw lean hogs close higher Tuesday. Perhaps traders are looking to the future and seeing a stronger marketplace, which led to those increases. December lean hogs up $1.92 to $77.72. February lean hogs up $2.20 to $83.37. Both block and barrel cheese prices fell Tuesday, pushing class three milk prices lower. November class three milk down four cents to $17.96. December class three milk down 28 cents to 17.21 a hundredweight. Cotton closed slightly higher on Tuesday due to support from strong U.S. retail sales as we enter the holiday buying season. December cotton up 36 points to $1.17. March cotton up 49 points to $1.15. December 2022 cotton down 22 points to $91.88. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reported Monday that 65% of the U.S. cotton crop is harvested. That's slightly behind our five-year average. Spillover pressure from wheat and a progressing corn harvest across the nation pushed corn lower Tuesday. December corn down 5.5 to 5 571 March corn down six and a half to 577 and a half December hard red wheat down 15 and a quarter to 820 and three quarters March hard red wheat down 15 and three quarters to 822 and three quarters July hard red wheat down 10 and a half to 810 and three quarters by the way the US Department of Agriculture reports 94 percent of winter wheat across the United States has already been planted December natural gas up 12 cents to 514 January natural gas up 13 cents to 523 crude oil closed even to lower Tuesday December crude oil down 12 cents to 8076 a barrel January 2022 crude oil even at 7975 a barrel the Dow up 129 points to 36,217. The S&P 500 up 24 to 4,707. And the NASDAQ up 115 points to 15,969. Well, that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out tomorrow. I'm Jessica Domewell, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.